Last time on Montreal Sauce. See ya, guys. Paul says thank you. You both have your headphones off. He's... <laughs> awesome. So we just had two more people join us uh, if you're listening live. So I have um, two more people to introduce, which means I'll let them introduce themselves because that's how I roll. <laughs> so um, uh, joining me and Armin is... Carolyn. Hi, everyone. This is Carolyn. I am a student at the Center for Digital Media, and I am excited to be here. Hi, Paul in Montreal. <laughs> Hello. What's up? What's um? Nice to meet you. What nice team, to meet you. <laughs> what project team are you on? I am currently working uh, with the Vancouver Maritime Museum, and the name of our team is True North. Nice. And who else is with us? So my name is Marina. Uh, I'm also, well, I think everyone here is a CDM student, so everyone knows. Right. Uh, my team is working, it's one of those those crazy NDA projects that we can't say the company's name, <laughs> but I can actually say what we do. Uh, we're developing games for uh, a mobile platform for uh, PlayStation Vita. So uh, our team name is Manekineko, which means lucky catch. In Japanese. Ah. So yeah, we're developing games. Yeah. And what I do, I'm a game designer on the on the project. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So we've been talking a little bit about the school and then the projects. Uh I guess we could probably go in depth a little more on your guys' projects. Um so Caroline is working for the museum and I actually got to test your simulator. Awesome. Yeah. So um why don't you? You don't have a well, lot. What of, did you think of it? You don't have a lot of non-disclosure <laughs> stuff, we right? We don't, and it's actually it's a really it's a blessing in disguise because a lot of the projects here um, you can't talk about them openly. But <laughs> right. uh, the Vancouver Time, Vancouver Maritime Museum is very open to us talking to people about it, and we are creating or we created for them two proofs of concept in terms of how the museum can kind of incorporate interactive digital media. Uh, into their next phase of growth. So the museum is like a 1950s building and everything yes. is super archaic there. And um, mm-hmm. we created two things for them. So one was recreating uh, what it feels like to drive a ship through the Arctic uh, for one of the historical boats there, the RCMP St. Rock. And then the other one was actually a touchscreen experience that would split apart the ship so you could explore it if you couldn't get on board. Okay. And uh, yes, I did try it and I enjoyed it. So, awesome. Which one did you try? I did. I drove the boat. I am a captain now. Did you get seasick? I, <laughs> I did. Very. Uh, you know, people were talking about it and I can totally see how it would happen. Totally. And I didn't get it, but that's because I'm quite a good driver, so I didn't crash into anything. I got there pretty quick. See, this so. is how awesome it was. I actually was expecting the whole bill to vibrate, and I looked around like, oh, it's just made of wood. I'm an idiot. <laughs> right. Well, but we it's take pretty motion awesome. sickness as a, as a sign of a job well done. That's exactly. You're not moving, but we created the, the environment such yes. that we wanted people to feel like they were actually on the boat. So. Yes, Paul, I got to drive a, a, a ship, and it... Um, they even have like an actual wheel, like a wheelhouse for a boat. Oh, wow. So, and I believe I was told by, is it Ryan who's on your team? Yeah, that you guys we were using Audrinos, but they didn't have like the kind of guts that you needed to spin a wheel all the way around. So now you're using some other awesome rotary sensor. But, yeah. yeah, we so actually yeah. are using artifacts from the museum that are kind of scary to kind of have and work with because you think to yourself, oh, God, if I lose this or I scratch it, I'm in big trouble. That giant <laughs> we wheel, where is that from? Anyway. That giant wheel is from their archives. So it's actually from, uh, it. it was not from a real boat. It was from a demonstration of a boat um, that they had, but it was, it's still a historical ah, piece and it's kind of cool. Yeah. So and then we've meta. also got a telescope from them, which, which dings from side to side, yeah. which is kind of cool to play around with as well and, and we haven't integrated it as part of the experience yet but it'll be one of the pieces that are in the environment that actually starts the experience so you'll pull the telescope and, and that'll actually start the experience for you mm. so that's what that thing was called yeah <laughs> i never knew that either until just now apparently it doesn't actually control the speed of anything either oh um, no i knew that right like yeah. it's just tells the guys in the engine room to do something so, right yeah yeah speed control was a really challenging thing for the project because 
we're trying to be really true to recreating the experience of driving a boat through the Arctic, <laughs> tend to get confused about this being a game. And especially when you think Bro. of a younger audience, people, you know, we, we, we think about people who just want to kind of like drive this boat as fast as they can through yeah. the Arctic and, and kind of speed along to the final goal. But they're really, it's really about recreating that experience and being as true as possible to that maritime history. So it was a fine line in terms of uh, playing with things like speed and creating kind of fun things in the environment while still being true to, I mean, driving a boat at eight knots is actually really slow and rather boring. <laughs> so yes. when we're, when we're off, uh, when we're off air and not broadcasting live, you'll tell me and Armin the cheat code so that we can be Crockett and Tubbs yeah. from Miami Vice, right? <laughs> it's like GTA where you pull out your cell phone and you type in the, uh, the che- and you'll get an infinite polar bears. I guess. But, but for me, for example, that I'm, I'm a gamer, I'm a hundred percent gamer and I had to try that and I was and like, you got sick. yeah, I got seasick. But, uh, <laughs> the cool thing is that, um, I was actually thinking of as, as a, as a game, uh, mindset and I was like, man, this is actually a joystick, but it's like this boat joystick. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and the, the cool things that you guys put in, like have, you have the, the, the guys getting out of the igloos and have like, uh, yeah. and I was like, oh man, this oh, yeah, is so cool. That cool. Yeah. <laughs> they have like a, a polar bear. Yeah. They have polar bears. Says, I thought like, I was going to hit that thing in the water. I don't know what it was. Narwhal? <laughs> the narwhal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. We actually yeah. ended up creating... Um, so it was like... A, what I'm, I was going to say is that it's, it's actually... A, you guys found a really good balance there, in, my, in my opinion. Coming like, from a, uh, a game enthusiast. Really game enthusiast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. We ended up creating... Originally, we had one narrative, which was one story, so one journey on the ship. And then we ended up creating three separate paths... Um, because we felt like people might be interested in kind of exploring more and then incorporating more of those animals into the space. So we did think about people like you, Marina, Thank who you. wanted more of yeah. a, an interactive environment. And I was I was there in that boat for, for those seconds, so it was really cool. I wasn't expecting that. So Awesome. When I stepped out and was a bit seasick, I was like, <laughs> okay, you guys did a good job. <laughs> Give paper bags with that ride. Yeah. <laughs> paper bags. Like, yeah. Uh, branded ones, of course. Branded ones. Right. So um, I, I should probably uh, throw it in reverse with the telescope. Boom. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what uh, What brought you to the CDM, Marina? Like what, what was your previous degree in? Yeah. Um, so uh, I graduated my bachelor's – well, I'm from Brazil. Uh, it's, it's good mm. if I start like that, right, I guess. Because uh, it's an entire journey while I'm here. So uh, my my bachelor is in advertising, so you know marketing and advertising, and uh, but at the same time I grew up playing games and I really wanted to make games. Um, so after I graduated, I, I came to Canada and I was like, okay, I'm gonna learn 3D because I think that this is gonna help me make games. Then I learned 3D and then I was like, okay, so I'm going back to Brazil because I can make a lot of games there, I guess. So I went back to Brazil and figured out that it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. Uh, it's not really a, a place that has a lot of uh, potential in the gaming industry. So I was like, okay, I'm ready to uh, take on different challenges. So I worked on uh, front web development for a while, and I became very good at that. So all of the jobs I would get would be uh, more in front end. Uh, but I really wanted to have a game job, so... I got a game job and I started doing UI and UX for the for for one mobile game. But for me it wasn't I really wanted to have the experience of uh being part of the creative uh minds that that make this this game mechanics and and you know become right. a game designer. So I was looking for a master's degree uh that wasn't really um that wasn't the, the the one that you just go and write a thesis. It was something that was more hands-on and more focused on the industry. And I found one right here in Vancouver again because I oh, studied yeah. here before. And I was like, okay, it's a comfortable city I really like there. So I decided <laughs> to come back, and I'm here at CDM, and it's been it's it's been a quite a ride for me. Yeah, I've been nice. learning so much. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and Carolyn, you. Marketing was that your? Also marketing, yeah. And I've been—I was working in the industry agency side for about 
seven years and I just was looking for something to challenge me to think in kind of a different way. And I started working in uh, digital media, more so from the buying perspective in terms of how you buy advertising in a digital space um, near the last kind of four years of my career. And then I realized the applications of digital media are hugely vast and outside of the world that I came from. And, and um, I think this program, I saw it as an opportunity to work with people like Marina and Armin and, and Narushi and Gandhar and yeah. get a perspective on all of the applications of digital media outside of a space like marketing. Yeah. Nice. I think it's been a big, so it was a big like shock for all of us at the beginning because we're like, what is this all about? This is so strange. But uh, we're really enjoying it. <laughs> we don't know what it is. Yet, people but... is like when you say you do, you're doing a master's in digital media, the number one question is, what is that? Exactly. And then yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to bore them for about that. No, but it's, uh, I think it's just, I think it's mainly because, I mean, like this program is really new too, and it's yeah. always changing every year. So. Even if we describe what what our program is all about, it's going to change the next year of the next cohort, uh, just because the technology is always changing. Uh, it's always like on a bleeding frontier. Of, yeah, uh, that's a yeah. good point. I mean, like like I said last year when I was here, there was like, hey, let's check out like Google Glass and what yeah, we can do with it, and like that's old news that now, gone. right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a smashing success right there. Right. Um, yeah, I think the only thing that would keep. Uh, the only thing that is aesthetic, that it's part of the core experience of yes. CDM, is the, the entire collaboration thing. That's true. Because uh, it's crazy how much, like, it's exactly what Carolyn was saying. Like, we get here and we get to collaborate with each other. We're all from different backgrounds. And I think it becomes one of those situations where we teach each other so much. We get totally. so much from out of each other. Even though, like, I, I never worked with Armin before in the cohort, but I'm pretty sure that I can go to him. That I'm amazing. <laughs> and no, I'll ask questions about games that he's probably going to give me, you know, a different feedback than what I was expecting from, from my own experiences. So it's 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 those kind of things that I think it's, really makes the core so, experience of CD. So the first, like, semester when you do, like, more of the classes and yeah. the improv class, are you guys, like, all Fifty of you like together, or are you it's like a split? I think okay. Uh, so there was about twenty or so. So there is a chance that you haven't worked with Armin at all. I think they try to make it so everybody will be in the same class at some point, but in the projects you haven't, we haven't all worked right. with each other. Sure, yet. but I, I know that. I mean, like, she'll be great at what she does. I don't know if I've worked with you, Carolyn. But we help each other. <laughs> we out. helped each other. <laughs> out, yeah, definitely. I mean, even you know, in, in all of our project groups, even this semester uh, with client projects. We all leverage each other's yes. skill sets. I mean, we, we did, for this specific project, for the touchscreen, we did 360 views of the hull of the ship, which is the bottom of the ship. And um, we had, you know, our photographer was not available one day, so we, we borrowed the talents of another student in the class. So everyone is, like, super awesome in terms of um, being a resource. And I've done a number of things in this room in terms of sound recording and, and leaned on the support of other students for that as well. So... If we're not officially in a team together, I think it's a it's a really encouraging environment to find talent when you need. We'd it. all hire each other if we could. <laughs> <laughs> he says that now until he launches a startup. Yeah, but now it's been recorded. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> <laughs> historical revisionism. I'll just I'm say that. That's right. I'll I'll fix it in show notes. <laughs> oh yeah, he didn't really say that. So. <laughs> Paul will edit it. <laughs> I'll drop a marker right now. Boom. Uh, so, Paul, uh, again, I will let you uh, jump in because of the sort of delay of Skype. And do you have any questions, <laughs> any questions for the newcomers or Armin? Uh, oh, let's see. Paul on the spot. That's right. <laughs> I could keep diving into inquiring more and more about Agile, but I won't do that because <laughs> it will get bore- more and more boring as you continue to talk about it. Um I don't have anything. I'm just enjoying listening to the conversation happen. So. Well, we, can talk, we can talk about Agile if you want. Uh, we just talked about Agile. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, yeah okay. you talked. They, Wait, we were talking about it a little bit. I can. I know. I can talk about games. Okay, so here's yeah. Yeah, I can talk about games too. But I think <laughs> it's it's cooler to hear like the the experiences that are different in in our projects right now. Right. Yes. So, so for example. Uh, my client uh, is is uh, it's not here in Vancouver, 
like Carolyn, Carolyn is oh, working with Maritime Museum, so they drop in every single day. Like they come here and they have <laughs> yeah. they relax, they use the my uh, my client is actually in Japan, so <laughs> it's really really a different situation. So for weren't us, they here today? Yeah, he was here today. Yeah. I do my research. Oh. <laughs> that narrows down the uh, well done, just so you know. Just so you understand how crazy this is, it was the first time we actually saw the guy. Wow. Wow. Because ever since we started this project, we've been having Skype meetings every single Friday. And, you know, our, our meetings are structured more in, in, in kind of a presentation thing mm-hmm. because we're presenting something to someone that is on the other side of the world. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we have yeah. like PowerPoints and things camera. like that. Yeah, right. It's an but elevator never, pitch yeah. over a webcam. Yes. So, so there are funny things that we used to do. Like uh, it's weird to pitch. Like the first part of our, of our project was really having to pitching. So we had like 35 game ideas and we narrowed down to one game idea that became our, our final deliverable that is our prototype now. But uh, every single week we pitch like six ideas to the client and he's on the other side of the world. You know, there's we're using Skype. He never turns on the webcam. Oh. So he what? he never turned on the webcam. You know the uh, so you the, never saw him, yeah. We never saw him t- t- till today. So we were pitching to what we what was funny is that we had to look at the camera, right? Because he was <laughs> looking at us, but we weren't seeing him. So what we did was we we started like posting uh, little faces in, on top of the camera. <laughs> so he was our visual representation of the client. That's so funny. we would pitch looking at this little drawing. Did he see that today? <laughs> Uh, we actually told him today, oh. and he, he stood. He stood in the exact position where the camera used to be, so it was like mind blowing for he us. He sounds like the villain from the villain from Inspector Gadget. You can only see his that's hand right. just heading back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. He was he was almost like that. So uh, it was awesome. it was just super crazy, and you know, for the first time, he was here and he got to really sit down with us and and. Um, and play our game and, you know, have this one-on-one thing where we can actually see his reactions while he's playing the game. So it was, like, crazy. Like, for us, it was super... Uh, it, it's one of those those situations where, yes, you can have an entire project uh, through Skype. You can totally do that. But actually having the value of having the person there, the client yeah. there, giving you That's feedback amazing. on the spot and it's looking amazing. at their reactions, <laughs> it's it's so much... So it's so better, right? So did you? I just want to know how comfortable you were with your client. Did you ever turn on the webcam filters when you're just have like the goofy hat come up? Yeah, no, we didn't do that. (laughs) So, Um, but it's a good point because um, it's kind of like comparing like this program that you guys are in to some other master's programs where you may work on a thesis without input from the professor at all the entire semester and then you just get this feedback right like we're here like you don't you're like working so closely with you like your your instructors yeah he would be really good at giving us feedback every week he would send us email and you know he would try to be really present on the project but the fact that you know it's one of those things that we really search for those those emotions when people are seeing things mm-hmm. like how how are you reacting to this are you understanding what i'm saying right and you know we had to we had to experiment with some things for example the way uh how fast we we say things in our meetings we had to like change the speed of those things like a bunch of times because you we noticed that because we noticed no the, the speed of, that that we talk in the meeting oh, because we noticed what? that he couldn't understand some of the things if we, we spoke like normally so you had to slow down we had to slow down like a lot and yeah. and another thing that we noticed for example here at CDM we know uh, we learned that you know when you're making powerpoints and presentations it's better to keep uh text to a minimum and really talk about what you know right it's better it's more engaging so but for him it was better to actually have those texts on the on the powerpoint Mm -hmm. because that was his takeaway from the meeting Ah, sometimes you know i see so he's like why your notes so short it's just one word (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
It just so, says your team name on it. Yeah, <laughs> right. it, it had no value it, at the end of the day, right? He he would have to understand everything we say during the meeting. And that PowerPoint was like, yeah, no, I don't care about this. So we really tried to uh, change the way we we do Agile and we do like our our presentations to match the style of our of our clients. So that was really helpful. Like we hmm. we learned a lot from that. Yeah, <laughs> we learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay, so. Um... And you've had the opposite experience because your client is here all the time. Yeah, I was good. I was thinking that exact thing. I just about how it's the it's really great to hear about that experience because we haven't really compared notes. But the complete opposite, I think, is something that we learned. We put, you know, again, a lot of those things that we learn in in presentation and how to interact with your client. And in the beginning, we started off with these kind of decks that were 10 to 15 slides long and you have the client in the meeting room and you're all on your best behavior and then by nature of the relationship becoming more casual and them coming in more frequently I think it just changed and it needed to change um and and be a little bit less structured and kind of just go with the flow in terms of you know the client is here and because we're building a tangible um deliverable unlike some of the other teams where things are happening on screen more, um, that nature of our relationship changed as well. So, so it was uh, opposite, but really yeah. interesting to hear how that can really change how you communicate with each other. Distance. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, what uh, we we sort of had this question from the chat room earlier with uh, the other guest, but uh, what are you, what are you hoping to get out of this particular program? Are you hoping maybe you're fourth semester internship turns into a job are you hoping to <laughs> do your own startup what's your that is the question that looms on all of our heads <laughs> right yeah. now because we've got four ones to figure it out <laughs> right well i think my my goals might be a little bit different from well we all want to get a job of course or work, <laughs> ideally yeah get but um for me i think it's more um uh, I am a person that really got used. I, I love I love Canada. I love Vancouver. So and I I got I got opportunities here at CDM, and I can see a bunch of opportunities here in Canada and in Vancouver that I would never ever ever dreamed about having in Brazil. So um, for me, it's more like I really want to stay here. So I really want to have an internship that can provide me. Um, nice. A good a good opportunity yeah. to to go to the industry and and hopefully make me stay here because yeah. I'm yeah I want to stay here. <laughs> you guys are more comfortable. You can well, please I'm, stay. <laughs> I'm yet again the opposite in terms of I worked that nine to five for a good chunk of my life and I was very focused after my undergraduate to to have that lifestyle and that comfort in terms of defining my career and I'm not really looking for any job that's going to pay the check after this. I really um, am here to figure out kind of what I want to be doing with the rest of my career and my mm -hmm. life and trying to, you know, do what everyone's trying to do in terms of marrying and finding a job that I can love to wake up to every morning. And I know it's a very ambitious thing that everyone kind of always says, but um, it's not about the paycheck for me in terms of just finding a job. Um, so I really hope to kind of, I'm still figuring it out. And it, it, it feels kind of crazy that I still haven't figured it out uh, with only four months left, but I have a couple ideas. I think it's also fun to be in that area, that it's kind of scary area where you don't know what you're doing. It's yeah, it goes 50-50 between yeah. like petrified and petrified like totally and inspired. I think it depends on your age. It depends on it your age. Yeah, so I've just revealed that my age is a slightly I'm older getting too old for this. I think you would start to freak out a little bit. If Thank you, Marina. <laughs> no, not you, not you. So in about 40 years when I'm your age. Not you. I am older than both of them oh. in case that hasn't been revealed yet. So. It's not you, Carolyn. Really. <laughs> I, I dye my hair gray and my beard I swear yeah. so <laughs> uh, yeah um that's a that's a good point uh it does have something to do with age but there I mean I'm sure everyone can understand like even if they're not in like the listeners even if they're not in a a master's program I mean, like you sort of feel that pressure after you finish like high school you know like yeah. okay I just have to choose like a school and this is gonna be my job the rest of my life no pressure, right? Like, yeah, that's always kind of a daunting thing. So, um, 
But yeah, it's good that you have all these options in Canada for sure. I think it just change is good. I mean, like it's also not great to be like a one hit wonder and just you know do sort of the same thing over and over again. If you when you try explore new avenues, um, you're kind of giving yourself more opportunities to maybe you maybe you're really good at something that you had no idea before. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, our culture has really switched. I mean, we're we're all sort of um, we're in this uh, sort of area now where like. You know, we can't spend like five minutes away from our phone and like we have lots of distraction. I'm checking it right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and People so. texting us, guys. Oh, I have my phone with She's, oh man, well I think I still with the age. But I am looking at your screen. I know, which hasn't changed at all. She's still like reading the notes. Yeah, we can't disconnect. Yeah, we can't disconnect. But then I, I just think, um, you know, how many people do you know, like even like, you know, your relatives that are like aunts and uncles and things like that, that have been somewhere for 50 years, like a few yeah. generations ago, like that's the thing. Like, I can't wait to get my gold watch yeah. from my employer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that does not happen now. Like it's no. like turnover everywhere and people want to try new things and do new things. Bronze so. watches everywhere. <laughs> yeah. right. For anyone out there who's like listening and, and thinking about going back to school or feeling like things are just kind of plateaued a bit at work. I was totally on the ladder to kind of be in a certain place in my life that I wanted to be at a certain age. And when I got accepted to this program, it was a huge debate in terms of where my life would go and what that would mean for my track that I was on. And coming here and going back to school, I mean, everyone always encouraged me to do it, but actually being here now, I can really attest to the fact that it makes you explore different parts of you that you never knew existed. Mm -hmm. I never thought of myself as, you know, a a creative person per se, because I come from an accounts client services background. (laughs) Um, But in this space, I've gotten to learn how to do 3d models and I do design and I, and I have kind of got to play in all these different spaces that I just didn't allow myself to play in for so many years because, because when you're not in a space that's safe like this, you kind of just get stuck yeah, doing doing. Yeah, they encourage risk taking so. at the school because I mean, if not here, then where else? School's and a real comfy place, and so if anyone's thinking about going back, I say always, always. That's do true. It, so. And that when I was in the states and I was in school, I was a non-traditional student, as they call it, because I worked like Carolyn for ten years somewhere where I didn't want to work, and then I went back to school. And once I was in school, I was trying to figure out like how could I like go to school until my retirement age and then use my social security <laughs> to pay off my student loans. Like the government would be paying cycle. itself. It was this awesome wow. cycle I was trying to develop. But but yeah, you're, like you just feel empowered when you're in school because you're in that sort of zone of safety. So yeah, I completely understand And that. when you're close to leaving the zone of safety, you just, just <laughs> you're, not. you're like, whoa. Well, yeah, and I but. feel like, um, I mean, we talked yesterday and I feel like you're kind of in an area where now there's almost more forks in the road than you know what to do with because you're like, I think I need to learn coding because there's so much coding that happens here at the school. Well, the really great thing about what we're studying here, to Armin's point earlier, is that um, this this, as a career choice didn't exist when I was in high school or even when I was in university. I had a a very traditional background with a BBA and a focus in marketing, and that's exactly what I thought that I needed to do to get into the world of advertising, and it was – and there was just never a world of working with things like computers and technology and hardware in the way that we do now. And mm-hmm. especially that integration with how we actually live our lives now. I don't think it was at that point when I was in school. And now that it's such a big part of our lives, people are thinking about it so much more. Yeah. And it's becoming much more of a focus. And people can build careers. And I think a lot of the time it's exciting to think about creating jobs for ourselves out of this that maybe don't exist yet. And I think Create your own niche, sort of. Absolutely. Because yeah. I think that there are so many jobs out there right now that people maybe haven't even thought of creating yet. But, but just to kind of to have an awareness around mm-hmm. that is, is huge for me because I'm, I'm very much someone that follows you know, the boxes and the ladders and the titles. And I think that's something I always try to remind myself when I'm figuring out where to go next. I think it's just like the technology is exponentially changing too. I mean, you would have thought like 15 years ago that a, a computer could just be in your pocket. And now there's no such thing as like the home computer anymore. Everybody has their own. It's all mobile. Right. Everybody has their own thing they're carrying with them. And that feels like that's the norm now. But that totally wasn't the norm. Yeah. Somehow that, exp- that just the gradual change happened. And then, oops, now... Um, 
we, technology we is to, its peak. Yeah. We have to to start teaching people in like history classes what is the little what is floppy? Dish, what is the floppy dish? <laughs> oh, why no, have you really? a physical copy of the save icon? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like right. Because people don't know, right? People don't know. They just understand. Oh, it's internet. Well, already they don't know. That's they true. didn't live like dial up. Connections. Yes. Oh. You don't, yeah. don't understand what it is not be able to use your phone when you had a dial-up connection. Maybe you didn't leave that, did you? No, I, I had the dial-up thing, but I mean, I was really young. Yeah, but, but it's, it's, like, it's, it's so quick it changed. I think those two things are the two things I think. Well, are and to Armin's point too, it's it's really kind of interesting because uh, we were talking about uh, my wife and I today as we were walking around uh, Stanley Park. We were talking about how. Um, one of her relatives here in town got a new phone and I think she bought the insurance and she bought the phone outright instead of doing a contract. So, right, she paid like $1,000, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're pretty much there if you're getting an iPhone <laughs> yeah. 6 or something. Yeah. So she paid a grand for a phone and we were like, that seems kind of funny because is she really going to use it? Because like we're pretending we're young and she's old. So we're like, <laughs> she isn't going to use all the functions of that phone and she paid $1,000 for it. But if she went to the store and they said, yeah, it's a thousand dollars for this laptop. She'd say no way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. cause, cause yeah. you're like the mobile phone. Like I have to have my phone. Yeah. How am I going to communicate with people yeah. like the computer? Like you're saying, you know, we've got all these devices now. Do you need like a home computer or a laptop? Do you going to spend a thousand dollars on? I don't know. Even though there's your basic human needs, you exactly. know, need it. but since everybody has it now, you'd be crazy. Not, you can't just opt out of having a phone. Exactly. Like, I'm just going to live on it's like the, I bet the same thing happened when they went from horses to cars, <laughs> and then it's just one last guy with his horse left. Like, oh, jeez! Not There's actually get. like a huge movement right now. It's an anti—not huge. Anti home phone. Yeah, well, it's an anti-digital kind of lifestyle oh. movement that's happening. I think. In so, Vancouver, I don't believe it. Not in Vancouver, but I just—I like, <laughs> I, I myself just kind of watched a doc. It's called documentary was called Deluged by Data and it was on I think PBS or something but it was so interesting because it was about these group of people that are really uh, in Silicon Valley where there's like this obsession with technology and always having your phones they actually have this like hippie camp where you go to and you leave your phone at the door and it's basically about getting in touch with people and talking to people and they actually recreated at this camp ways to communicate that are similar to social media so they have like a search wall so typically you (laughs) you go on Google and you, you search you, you know, need to search unplug, something man. about the stars, but instead it was like an analog, you know, post-it notes, and then you would wow. leave a, your question, and another human would come by and write in a note the answer to that question. But it's this whole concept that, like, now it's gone so fast. <laughs> I think people. I think the next thing that we'll see is a, a greater awareness towards wanting to totally reject it. Right. And people always, you know, the the, the biggest thing about people coming out of that because these are like the Silicon Valley like crazies that are like right. hyper on a screen all day um is that it's like these emotions and feelings and connections with people that they haven't had in such a long time so i think i hope that we start to see that as much as i'm i'm a digital media student and i believe in in digital media i almost am also in the camp of wanting to completely reject it so i think um i think like really the answer lies in the middle sort of yeah. like if you can't sure. I mean, if you demonize it you would kind of a a hypocrite because you're going to be using your phone. Oh, absolutely. You're going to be using technology. I mean, like your, use it, yeah. A house is a technology. Um, it's like a car. So at what point do you draw the line just when it comes to the internet? <laughs> so I, but at the same time, I mean, I wrote to get into the school because I played really late. I wrote my essay about this, but I thought I was just, you know, pulling info out of my, but, but apparently it's true. Um, but we're, the technology's changing exponentially, but uh, we're not actually evolving ourselves. So we can't multitask um, just scientifically. So if we try to, then that's what we run into problems. You know, we can't drive and text at the same right. time. Um, there's like an actual reason. It's, and it's not like the more we tell our kids, the more our kids become tech savvy. It's not like they'll be better at texting while driving. <laughs> they'll still get into accidents. Uh, so you you have to know where, like when to kind of, you know, okay, I got to put my phone down and like talk to my family face to face. Right. But you also can't just totally leave it behind. So I think what this school also does well um, is kind of prime us for – teach us sort of how to question the way we uh, we use digital media and just sort of what the purpose is for. I mean the class we're taking uh, that we just took right now, um, the first third of it or the first – I don't know. The core of the class was about ethics and – well, not ethics but just sort of – the role of digital media in today's society. Uh, so 
you know, I mean, it seemed kind of obvious, but um, we kind of realized that, like, it's not like a black box where it, it it's all humans behind it. It's not just like the technology's right. changing. We have needs, and we ha- we we drive that. Uh, we we sort of get that the digital media. Um, I can't even form words right now. We we, we, we sent, <clears throat> we're the ones driving that exponential change and the technology improving. Yes. So in the end, it's like human. It's not some. It's just it's not like machines taking over the world. It's evil. There's still humans behind it. Well, man. I think we have a responsibility to be aware yes. about technology and its role in our lives. And something that I'm constantly challenging here is just it's the idea of like humanizing technology and True. and looking at the gestures. A lot of the times, for example, on the touchscreen. Um, what are the gestures that we are used to, to doing with our hands? How do we as humans use our hands? And are those natural gestures and movements that we can integrate into a digital, you know, touch point and to be, have a greater awareness about that in terms of how that changes the way we interact with each other and the environment around us. Google Glass doesn't really, to me, make sense because no one wants to wear it walking around the street. You look a little ridiculous. The Oculus Rift, again, is rather a clunky, sweaty experience when other people's faces have been in that, you know, times, God knows how many times, and you're strapping that thing on your face and you can, like, smell the last person. It's kind of, you know, this experience where you're like, this is, why do I need to recreate this whole What if you had your own? What if you had your own? Sure, if I had my own. But again, I mean, it's these things like, why am I strapping this box on my face right now to recreate a 3D world, but I live in a 3D world? You know what I mean? Yeah, I have always opposed it. I totally agree with that. To be aware of why. She's a gamer, so she completely disagrees. Rena is all about virtual reality. No, really. No, it's not that I'm all about virtual reality, but it's it's uh, it's a subject that really interests me because I don't know. We don't know what this thing is right now, That's right? True. Yeah, right. So the technology is going well. All of us. I don't know if you tried the Oculus Rift. I have here actually. So yeah. So I got um, very sick. Right now, yeah. Right now, it's like this experience that is not all that good, right? And everything. But the new, the new Oculus and the new uh, all the, all the VR headsets right. that they're putting Sony, on, the, Samsung. it's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be awesome. They said the experience is is really like you can really feel that that that's a thing. You can really distinguish reality. Well, you can, but it's as real as they can get you into a place. I well, think there's, place. but th- the thing is. Um, what I find it interesting is uh, we don't know how much of this is going to impact in your brain, for example. Like, do you think you it's need going a decade to be... of no? But really, the, like, out, yeah. we already have situations in in gaming, for example, that people stay like a whole the entire day playing and then they just Warcraft, forget to feed themselves and they forget to the feed them. Yeah. Like, what will happen if you can strap this thing on your head? Hours on end. And it's end. like, you right. you just yeah. lose, like, you lose True. the, it's blurred lines right there, right? You can't really understand what is real anymore. And what if you start, like, you just stay there in that world, right? But I think it's super interesting. I actually <laughs> want to study there. That's, that, yeah, it's, yeah. For me, it's, it's an interesting thing. It's probably. interesting. I mean, you're right, because, like, how... <laughs> as an old person who has to get glasses in the last like three years, like I can't imagine, you know, if you spent like six hours a day playing World of Warcraft in like a virtual setting, like do your eyes just suddenly adjust to like a screen like three feet in front of your face and you take it off and you're like, oh, I can't seem to read my mail, my internet bill, like I can't pay this. Yeah. So, and then. There's also studies where they show, you know, like people with Facebook or even like those of us who are like obsessive about inbox zero, like you get like a dopamine drip from your brain. Like yeah. when you get to zero, you're like, yes. Or when you like so good, see yeah. Facebook. So there's definitely some crazy brain science that has to happen. Yeah, for me. Carolyn hit but like what she said, humanizing the technology. I think that or humanizing digital media well no and that's i think that's be interesting for virtual stuff like carolyn was saying like some natural gestures because i mentioned it last time we had someone from vancouver on the show actually is there's a great website where um there's a designer and he's just like the main problem with our current generation is like we use tools in our hands 
Like our hands are meant to use tools. And like a tablet, you're interacting with a flat piece of glass. Mm -hmm. Like no matter what you do with the gestures, it's not natural because you're just like interacting with this one-dimensional thing. So do you think eventually everything will gravitate towards the minority report? Yeah, (laughs) I'm kind of curious because I love like wooden marbles and Tom Cruise and his middle tooth. So (laughs) Totally. I was thinking of uh, when you started talking about virtual reality and kind of the the humanization of that really, I think that comes into play when you get back to that discussion about you're working with a client, the client lives in Japan, you've yeah. never seen them before, but all of a sudden you can be together in a in a virtual space and actually be... Um, you know, uh, assuming advancements in technology can s- continue to happen, you could be in a real space and actually interacting with them and get a much clearer picture of what they're thinking because you could potentially see their body language. You could see what they're thinking and how they're interacting with a prototype that also happens to exist in this 3D space that they could manipulate there. And then you come back to the real world and you then take all of that feedback that you got and you produce something with it. But the technology has to take a back seat to the goal of that interaction. Whereas right now, all of our technology, like the technology is the goal of the interaction. I just want to turn my phone on so that I can check Twitter, right? But Twitter is a means to connect with other humans and we're trying to create that more and more as our technology takes a back seat to what we're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it, we really need to be like 15 years in the future when like technology is just yet another hammer and another yeah. saw where it's just another tool and it kind of doesn't matter because right now it's a status symbol. I got my iWatch, you know, like that's <laughs> yeah. kind of a problem too. Is that- it's amazing how you create the obligations for yourself. Like <laughs> I didn't have Snapchat two years ago. I don't know if, if it even existed. It. And now it's like if I don't check somebody's thing, they're going to get mad at me. It's like this <laughs> new way for people yeah. to have emotions for each other. Oh, I have so, this weird thing now where when I take a picture of someone or something, yeah. I feel like it's my obligation to post it. Like I feel like exactly. a creep if I'm just like, can I take a picture of us Just here? keep it for myself and then, like, my not phone. post it and then yeah. keep it to myself. And then that feels really weird to me just to like, <laughs> keep a picture of me and my friend. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put it on Facebook. <laughs> on your hard you know? drive. It's- yeah, it, it changes. And if you think true. that you know, ten years ago you were printing all the pictures and putting on the on a cupboard somewhere. Well, it meant a totally different thing. And it wasn't thing for the world, and all, all the pictures are for the world. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that too. I think it's really weird that we're so obsessed with like photos. I mean, ten years ago, like no one would ever show you their driver's license because, oh my gosh, don't look at my photo. My and now you can't walk yeah. down the street without seeing someone holding their phone like There's so. Only like twenty of. 20 photos of me passed out on, on Facebook to check those. <laughs> yeah, so it's just crazy how – but it, it kind of – I think what Carolyn was hitting to is like it kind of devalues the photos in a way because we take so many, right? So like, yeah. The way that we share information on now, you know, in so many ways changes the meaning of what it was meant to be for anyways. I mean it, pictures used to be taken to immortalize moments and now we kind of just – do the opposite. It's not a, it's immortalizing the moment, but it's also kind of obsessively taking 20 pictures of that moment to get the one that's perfect. And then kind of the expression of that to everyone around you in a public space. I mean, that's so different than, than even just how a camera used to be in terms of you get one snapshot, you know, and, and when was the last time everybody here printed a photo? Like went to those Kodak machines in Walmart. Oh, <laughs> it is so expensive. That's what I will tell you. Well, like, you could use your printer. It was like a dollar a print or something. I don't remember. Like the last time I actually had to get a printed photo printed was probably photo. to get my passport to come yeah. to Canada. <laughs> yeah, and you're definitely and smiling at that one. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of them are digital right now. They just go to the place. So if it's like physical, you remember that moment because like you'll put it on your fridge. You'll be like, oh, this is that time we went to that thing. But then now you it's see like, people trying to to really deal with that right so you see people like the polar not polaroid but there's a i don't know what it's called right now but there's this thing that you can strap onto your iphone and then it's a printer so you can actually print out your pictures right away you know people are (laughs) trying to bridge this gap between 
oh, wait, people actually like to print that out and put it on their fridge. Uh, how do I do that? But I think it, it kind of goes back to this. We live in this place now where we're obsessed with instant, instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, just get a printer. No, really, but it's the instant gratification. It really, no, it really bothers me when people are like, yeah, no, I built this new thing that you just strap into your iPhone and it's like this <laughs> clunky thing. That, it's like, just get a printer, guys. It's been here. It's technology that we know, right? Well, just it, go and, you know, put your phone there. Right, it goes back to like the overcomplication of <laughs> yeah. technology that like we've been talking about, right? Like my my old man story is uh, years ago my grandmother was in the hospital <laughs> and she uh, she's in the hospital. I can't remember what kind of procedure she had done. Went to visit grandma and the nurse comes in and she's like, "How you doing?" She's like, "Well, I'm still feeling a little pain." She's like, "She's like, okay, well, I, I think I can give you like an aspirin or something to kill the pain." And she's like, "Hold on a second. And so she leaves. She comes back with a cart with a laptop on it. And she starts, she had to scan my grandmother's, like, you know, the hospital bracelet. And she said, Oh, yeah, the last time you've had any medication was this time. I can go get you an aspirin. So then she leaves, goes to wherever they store that stuff, brings that back <laughs> in a cup of water. And then she's got to scan the cup or scan the, the oh. pill and scan, like, my grandma's bracelet. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like 20 years ago, like you could have just lifted the chart off the edge of the bed and write, gave her an aspirin. Done. Yeah. Like, no, it's got to be official. We've got to make sure that's real. It happened to pen and paper, right? Yeah. I wrote the uh, MCAT, which is the medical college admission test. And you have to do a fingerprint thing where uh, they sort of, they see it's you. (laughs) So I guess you don't have an identical twin. And it wasn't working for me. And I was just like, (laughs) Just let me in. Like, I'm good. <laughs> I promise I have no identical twin. So it took about 15 minutes and I had to delay everybody else because they had to try and like scan my. So it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's like you're creating new obligations for yourself with some of the technology. Right. So I, that, I find that really interesting. It's almost <laughs> as if you need to get to the point where you're Neo after he starts seeing all the green code. Like, you, he, know, he can unplug himself from the Matrix. And like he'll know he'll you you're using the technology for for humans, not tech for tech or right. just yeah. Yeah. checking it. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm really in terms of answering your question earlier, Chris, um, in terms of what I want to do coming out of this, my application letter actually to the school that I still. So one thing I can kind of look back to and say, yeah, I still kind of believe in that. I still really believe that is the idea of scalable technologies. And I think it was just from looking around us and there's this obsession right now with creating. It's so easy now to prototype with technology and hardware resources, skill sets. You know, people are being taught how to create very, very young. And so it's, it's out there and the, the ability to just create things is so easy now. And I think um, as someone who maybe comes from the world before, it was just easy to just build stuff uh, for no reason. I'm really interested in scalable technologies and scalable ideas. I think especially in this school, we're surrounded by so many brilliant people that have all these really great ideas, but it's questions like why and how does that actually create value in our lives? And is that actually useful? Or am I just strapping a watch with a smaller screen to my hand, to my wrist, and then I have my phone in my hand and then I'm at my computer and then I have my virtual reality goggles on. And it's, it's kind of the question of why. So I think well, that's and I, something that's always going to be very interesting. It's to one. Of, it's the problem of us dirty capitalist pig Americans. Is because <laughs> it's Thanks, all. Ab- yeah, it's all about making money too. So, and that's what's driving the development currently. Currently, so it's like, yeah, we we foresee like this game or this project is probably going to have a shelf life, but it's going to make us a profit, and the yeah. scalability isn't even in the equation. You right? look like, at that, Just look at Apple's computers. The battery. The battery chargers that um, connect to your computer, they keep changing the ports <laughs> so that if you don't have that battery pack from that version of your computer, you have to go and buy it and you're absolutely screwed. You can't have one universal battery pack anymore yeah. or a port. It's, they do these things and even just the thing that plugs into your iPhone. I'm sounding so not technology. I know. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not this sounding like a good digital media master. This your computers. <laughs> uh, I study at the Center for, for Digital Media. Yeah, look for me in four months and see if I graduated, everyone. <laughs> what if, like, it's like one of the first iPod touches. It didn't have it's like speakers. 
Like you had to yeah, listen it didn't to have music. a speaker you could, on yeah. it. Yeah. So you had to plug in your earphones, but and then they released it in the next one. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you could have made the speakers. <laughs> they were just saving that for the next iteration so they could make more money. <laughs> but people will buy it anyway. So yeah. it's not. It's it's the same with games. Same with Every, games. Yeah. Oh yeah. We can't talk about it. And games, yeah. It games and software, that's what bugs me. I always call it like bloat, right? Because you you can't I remember when I had a PC and I wasn't using Mac, I was using like Nero to burn CDs, which oh, were totally wow. legal, I swear. Um <laughs> and and like then like the next version of Nero comes out and it's like, hey, you you totally can design like a CD cover because you're gonna print like you know a cover to put on your CD case and I was like, oh yeah okay and then like next versions of Nero were adding like oh there's a chat function and there's like I'm like I don't need like why is this thing <laughs> yeah oh, you have to chat you gotta chat. yeah I'm <laughs> chatting while I'm burning my disc at one <laughs> x yeah oh no. The copy didn't work because I was chatting using CPU power. Right. Um, our, Arturo, uh, who's in uh, Mexico, he's a, a friend of the show and he's in the chat room and he was just adding to our conversation about uh, he, he's saying like everybody has to share like files with each other, but we all use our own service, like whatever's trending, you know, Dropbox yeah. or whatever. And he's like, whatever happened to USB? He's like, yeah. like they've disappeared from the collective consciousness. And I have to just say, like, it's kind of funny. We bought some shoes while shopping in Vancouver recently. And uh, my wife got these shoes and the lady was like, oh, and here's this. And she gave her um, a thumb drive and she's like, you get this with your purchase. And it was an eight gig thumb drive. Like, this isn't Dropbox. I know. It's like you get a free thumb drive with your shoes. And then the lady's like, oh, also. And I was like, oh, OK. Now, wait a second. There was someone developing this. It's also a bottle opener. <laughs> oh, my God. That's probably, like, that's probably used more than. <laughs> yeah, right. It's also a flashlight. <laughs> uh, I'm totally going to get drunk and share some data. Yeah. yeah. But those are, I mean. I think the issue with those is like they're about a dollar per gig. <laughs> like I, it, I don't think that price has budged in the past like five years. It is so interesting it's, to watch technology like that become so obsolete. Something that you felt was so progressive at one point becomes so insignificant. And it's, uh, like, it's all about that whole waste thing, right? And you mass produce, you know, you go back to kind of what you were saying there about, um, yeah, that whole thing around just people making things for the sake of selling things. And it's, I just it's crazy to me sometimes. I feel, I feel like I'm going to be one of those uh, <laughs> persons that, you know, when people started moving from vinyl to uh, CDs, for example, I think I'm going <laughs> to be one of those persons that are going to feel really sad when all the game library just moves 100% digital. Back yeah, in my day, I we had totally physical love coffee. having those little boxes totally. of games. Me too. And having the library and organizing it by like names yeah. and, and everything. But now it's like I know it's coming, right? I know everything's right. gonna yeah. be digital. Yeah. And 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 for example, last week I was going to buy uh, this game, and I and I I could have the option of downloading it. Oh, and I was Steamer. like, yeah, I can just download this game out of PSN. Oh. And I yeah. decided to go to a store and buy the buy game. Buy a physical copy. And they didn't have the game. What? Made me super sad because it was sold out. I got a, a bus and I went to another store just to get the <laughs> box. Then I open it, and it's just a disc. Yeah, yeah what happened to the put, manual? They don't put, like, little booklets anymore. Uh, yeah. like CD covers. It's so sad. It used to come with, like, a whole description of yeah. each of the people yes. in the band, and then plus the lyrics and so you could pictures. sing along with the CD and pictures. Yeah. And now... I mean, Game manuals used to now. be in color, too. Yeah, totally. And then and just made the switch to black and white. They, like, game manuals? Like, oh, what Marina's looking for. It's like, if I she opens up, she's like, ooh, a disc on the right. I was horrible with those. Like I would like we would rent a game, um, me and my friends, and they would just like put it in and jump in and like they're like, You wanna play it? And I'm like, No, I was reading the manual and then like, you know, <laughs> it would be my turn to play like a fighting game or something and they're like, How did you do oh Mr. Manual Reader? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. So now like now, like you said, when I buy like a game and I'm like, What where's the where's manual? You? I have to go online? Like yeah. Oh, I only need three screens to play this game. Good. <laughs> All it is now is like a single. At most, it's like a single leaflet telling you to buy like another game the company's or made. Or giving you like a code oh, for, code, for yeah. like outfits. Yes. Or I don't know. <laughs> uh, get a free hat. Yeah, something. get a free hat for your character. <laughs> because of your pre-order, oh you get a, a special. And then when you sell it back to the second hand store, then they they mm -hmm. 
they have like these like, oh, we need a new leaflet to add the new clothing or whatever. Yeah. I think I'm just going to miss how tangible those things are. For the very first time I saw it, I'm so glad I saw it before theaters completely stopped doing it, but I saw eight millimeter, like a film reel. And there's a theater in Vancouver and a guy in our class who, you know, was doing the projection for it. And I stepped on the film. Like the, he was rewinding the eight millimeter film and I stepped on it and I freaked out because I thought, oh my God, I just broke this piece of film. And he's like, oh, no worries. I'll just fix it. Because back when you had to transport reels of film like that, it had to be resilient, right? So yes. mm-hmm. if it bent or broke, you literally just taped it back together. Yes. Yeah. And, yep. and the system to do that was so like, that's just how it is. And then it just goes on to that person and then it keeps playing and playing. And in this space, it was so interesting because he had the eight millimeter projectors and then he had the digital um, Blu-ray disc mm-hmm. projector, and then he had another one where it was an, another kind of uh, digital like disc drive, and it was interesting to see how that transition really is happening. And people who come out to the theater to see that kind of thing are people who can still appreciate that that is such a, such a different way, and that is the way that movies and, and creativity was shared on film at one point in time. Um, but one day it'll just all be gone. So it's yeah, it's, for me that's like that. that's like an ugly issue, and I've talked about it before because like. Nowadays, it's it's kind of like the like well, I don't even know why I'm referencing that um, because you guys are probably young enough to know that uh, to, uh, it's like Xerox machines. Like oh yeah, when no, those no, first came out, like they were like you know oh so your office can have this, but the machine is like three hundred thousand dollars. So how about we rent it to you and we'll do all the maintenance? And that's what they're doing with projectors. They're like okay, yep. uh, no more film projectors. You have to use this digital one, but that's okay because we're going to rent it to you. So like a lot of mom and pop theaters, like or mm-hmm. drive-ins that still survive, can't afford to do that yeah. and they go under. It's really sad. Mm-hmm. Well, even just he was you know talking to our classmate about that. We were talking about what it takes to fix the machines that these run on now. Yeah. It's like there's one guy in town, like if something on that projector <laughs> yes. breaks, it's like, all right, I'm going to go get a bolt and just fix that. Or I'm going to get a screwdriver and I'll just fix that. And now you, the whole computer hardware thing breaks down and you're screwed. You can't yeah. so much as breathe on an SD card. It's gone. Done. Yeah. You're done. You can't play the movie. Like it's <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Skynet happens. And- yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, if how the- is it going to be guys? Like everything is gone. <laughs> yeah. Like not being able to fix anything on my own. It's yeah, like, there's that. And then breaks, I have no idea what to do. I just freak out and then go pay Telus. Yeah, can't even take a lot of them apart anymore. It's no, crazy. there's well, you can, but I you shouldn't. Oh, you should. <laughs> oh, they'll say I'll avoid the warranty. Yes. Yeah, how do you open the There's oh, that's, you're brandishing your fancy. Yeah, and there's there's no ownership either. That's the other issue. Is like um, that's the issue that you've people have had with Amazon, right? Like something changes in their deal with a book publisher and now the book that you bought is no longer on your Kindle or in your library because even though you paid for it. And that's what's going to happen with like Marina and like video games, right? Because now you have to buy them through PSN and then they're going to be like, yeah, you you can't have this anymore even though you bought it. And it's like, no, No, you got the license to it. Right, exactly. (laughs) wonder does anyone know how it works with sharing so you know when i have a book a physical book and i want to share my physical book that i paid 17.99 for with armin i literally just say here's my book but how do you do that Mm. do you know if there's you can i don't know about uh canadian amazon but um i know in the u.s amazon that you can share a book with a friend but it's a weird like uh it's it's it was like a there's like a time limit my friend was telling me so like she was able to share it with her friend and you do it through the Amazon accounts but then like it was literally like she had a week to read it and then she had to like then sort of share it with her friend again and I was like that's really well, yeah, awkward. Copyright has become such a big issue. I can, I can right. talk about it on a gaming perspective. Yeah, please do. I'm so, so curious. Uh, Steam has. Uh-huh. has a thing that is like Steam sharing, family sharing, that uh-huh. you can share a few of your library games with other people in this in this group. But what happens is you, I I would share it with you. Mm-hmm. You can play it, I can play while you're playing you it. You cannot then, play it yeah, while I play it. Right. No. Oh. And another thing, and it's this is really funny. So um, uh, when Xbox and PS4 launched... Uh, the new ones, uh, Xbox, Xbox One, One, which makes sense X- as the third PS4, one. <laughs> yeah, um, in the launch of of Xbox, they told that you even if you had the disc, you went to a store, you got a physical disc, 
you played it on your machine, you wouldn't be able to share it with someone because it was tied to your machine. I think it's they a changed that. Though, disc. Disc. Think. And, yes. then, yeah. and then what PlayStation did was right after their conference, oh, I remember that. they did a little, little skit doing like, how do you share games on PS4? You get <laughs> a case and you give it to the other person and it works, right? So uh, Everybody was and, cheering and during to, that. Yeah, and everyone was like, <laughs> and, and what PlayStation did was just say, yeah, you bought the thing so you can play it in your computer and your, yeah. your machine. See, right? that's like humanizing yeah. it. And, and yeah. they did nothing and they got cheers because yeah. of that, right? They yeah. just did the obvious. I forgot so, about that. It, it was really funny. So they pushed, they made Xbox go back. Yeah. And, you know, ch- change all of that again. So everyone could actually play the discs on, on different machines. Do you think like how vinyl is coming back now? Uh, that you're gonna get like floppy yeah, disks totally. that are like 64 gigs or something or a terabyte, <laughs> and you you can just get like some sort of a floppy. I would so port. be into that. That'd be so awesome. You just collect. Yeah, because like when I played games, you had to like okay, insert to seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that would be rad. I, I will not go back like... to zip disks. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, zip disks are no, no. Yes, we talked about that on Film Frown. That's right. Well, I don't think computers even like our computers here. We're all on MacBook Pros. They don't even have CD drives anymore. So if someone right. gives me a CD yeah. and you want me to burn you some music, that's not happening. It's just not. Put happening. it on the uh, thumb drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Share yeah. it on your Dropler, and I'll tumble it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're not allowed to say uh, those words on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I know you guys have had like a crazy semester and you're in the sprint to the end. <laughs> so uh, we should probably sign this off. Do um, uh, you guys want to share like somewhere where people can find you or your team blogs or something like that? Uh, or I know you I got, have your own personal blog you like yeah, to cartoon on. Yeah, I got a biasedcat.blogspot.ca so I am a, a yeah <laughs> biased cat that's just where I post my comics on this is whatever I well, Arvin is time. an extremely talented uh, I know you can't see him yeah. but uh, he's he's so talented <laughs> when it comes to drawing <laughs> and you'd have to see his face to know how talented <laughs> he is drawing I saw him, I'm trying to cartoon of everyone now looks like that this guy's so talented I sure do I look at you Arvin and I think there you go but my team is awesome though I'll just I mean i blog for my team is uh what is it the cdm yeah ca slash you got it blogs slash the six yes you got it he nailed it i think um yeah (laughs) well well if if we said the 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 address wrong you can just go to cdm that's true i will put it in show notes for the people listening and download but the live listeners. Yeah, Good luck. the six uh, the six blog is pretty cool. It is. Arne makes sure that he he illustrates all the blogs, so it's <laughs> all, all the blog posts. So it's funny. Uh, ours is uh, Maneki Neko. You guys can find us there. Um, you might have to spell that. I know. <laughs> I, if I was listening, I would not exactly be able to Maneki Neko. Exactly how it's spelled. Exactly, <laughs> exactly how, it's how it's you say it. It's M A N E K I N A N E. So Maneki Neko. So uh, you can just go there. Uh, we blog about we blogged about the entire process, actually having this thing with clients, having the client on the other side of the world, and you know explaining some of our prototypes, our game design decisions. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, we have some art there too, but not as as cool as you, Armin. <laughs> I'm not. I don't look that talented. If they could see me, I don't look all that talented. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> live, live listeners, I guess you can log into the chat on the MontrealSauce.com live page because someone in the uh, chat room is sharing these addresses. So, oh, rock thank on. you to that person. Thank you to <laughs> that anonymous yeah. person. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Carolyn Fang, and <laughs> if you want to find <laughs> out more about me, um, I all my information is on the cdm.ca's website under my profile, um, and I am always, you know, I love connecting with new people, and I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, so you know, right. if you feel like tracking me down and continuing conversations, I'm happy to do so. And the name Sweet. of our team is True North, and um, for the person who's posting the links, uh, it's the same. <laughs> Beginning URL uh, and then it ends with uh, .ca slash true north. But again, 
everything is on the CDM website. That's true. Like if you go to the CDM.ca, there's like a projects tab and you yes. can click on that and you'll find all the teams. And when you click on the teams, you'll get to read a short description. Thank you. And you can click on the people. I can't. I'll all the pay. brilliant team photos there to look Thank like you. album covers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm buzzing. Why am I buzzing? Okay, so uh, I just had to check because I got a text from Marina earlier. <laughs> oh. So, um, and me, I'm uh, what, I'm Chris. I have to look at my notes to read that apparently. I'm Chris and you can find uh, me. Uh, just look for me on Twitter and I will talk to you as well, which is at SickDays, S-I-K-K-D-A-Y-S. Um, and you can also go to SickDays.me and there's a whole list of things I'm involved in. And there's someone else here. Yes. Hi. My <gasps> name is Paul. Hello. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Paul D. D is in dog, I guess, or Delu, which is actually my last name, but you don't want to have to figure out how to spell that. So Paul D. Uh, or uh, Padizio, P-A-D-I-Z-I-O dot com is kind of my landing page that links off to lots of other stuff that I do. Awesome. Thanks to uh, who was here before, Gandhar and Arushi. Arushi. That was awesome. Thanks to you guys. I mean, I know you guys are in a pinch at the semester <laughs> ending, so I'm really glad that you took the time to chat with us. Really cool opportunities for, yeah. for reaching out yeah. to us. And thanks to uh, everyone for listening live and all the cool people in the chat room. I'm sorry I wasn't as uh, chatty in there I'm managing lots of things today, um, and I didn't bring my laptop Traveling light. So, uh, yeah, and that matters. Um, <laughs> so thanks to everyone. Just uh, a reminder, no new sauce next week. Sorry. Uh, Paul and I are back with the Film From podcast and we're reviewing Waterworld because as much as I like oh, bad movies, I won't gosh. subject my friends and guests to Kevin Costner awfulness that is The Postman. Marina <laughs> uh, <laughs> just made a face right now. It's Waterworld, guys. What can I say? I know. It's... All I think about is that ride at Universal Studios. Oh, <laughs> we had that on Waterworld. It was... <laughs> um, and two weeks after that, uh, we will, will be back with Montreal Sauce, and we'll be talking to an illustrator from the FX show Archer. So oh, awesome. rock and roll. Got to get Armin back for that one. Get him a job on Archer. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, again, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, it looks like we're going along. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Paul. Yeah. Sure. Paul. Thank you, Paul. And all the people who listen. Yeah. I wish we wish we could uh, VR you somehow through Skype, but <laughs> maybe next year. Skype VR. I like this. Yeah, there you go. I'm the little cat in a pink dress. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, thanks for everyone listening. Do I have a sign off or something? Oh, I made up a sign off, didn't I? A couple weeks ago. Yeah, I thought you did. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so again, thanks for listening. I'll say that uh, several times, um, and then. Um, remember, if life gives you potatoes, make poutine. <laughs> <laughs> Very Canadian. I love it. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the Montreal sauce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>